0: Unlimited gravity. This is MCG. Hey, this is Max Future. Yeah, listen to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room
1: Podcast. Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Cope Paris. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. This is Flamencosis, and you are listening to Green Room Podcast.
2: Yo, how's it going? It's been a while, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Green Room Podcast. And yeah, we have good. We got a new intro that I just worked on. We're super stoked about it. We've been like accumulating those little clips for over two years now. So we have. Two years of the Green Room podcast. That's very exciting.
0: Yeah, we're kind of... This is kind of like our two-year anniversary, right?
2: I suppose it is. It's the last episode of, t- of 2019, which, yeah. you know...
0: The holidays are upon us, but also the newest Star Mo- Star Wars movie.
2: Star Wars.
0: Star Wars. It we was Star Wars, actually. Uh, it was awesome. It was pretty good. Me and we, Pat went to we see Star Wars,
2: night. The Rise of the Skywalker, last night, and it was amazing. Um...
0: I thought it was great. I thought they really wrote Finn's character poorly. Like they, the one line. The one line where he's like
2: Don't say anything about they the They go, How do you, at blah, all. blah 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 Are blah you blah, really, blah. No, we're cutting this all out. You Spoilers. literally can't say that shit. Well,
0: I'm not gonna say anything, but like he's so corny.
2: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um the movie was amazing, so enjoy it everybody. Uh it was very fucking long though, so Don't drink too much before because you'll fall asleep. It was
0: about two and a half hours. I almost (laughs) fell asleep halfway through, and I forced myself to stay awake. And then it got like the action came in. That's because we ate that
2: maple hot chicken.
0: Yeah, there was a trans fat. Hot maple maple chicken with duck fat tater tots.
2: Uh, Shout out to Jordan Hageman for the for clogging my arteries in the best way.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. It's Um, delicious. Go to uh, go check out the Wild Cafe. W I L D E Cafe. Yeah, on
2: the Mississippi Mile. And like right next to it is the St. Anthony Main Theater. On Mm -hmm. Tuesdays, they have $5 movie night. And I'm going to totally go soon and see... I really want to see the new Mr. Rogers movie. I want to see
0: that. I want to see The Lighthouse. Everybody's talking about The Lighthouse. So I got to see it.
2: All right. So you know what? Go watch a movie, everybody. All right. Cool. So Mm. anyway, um, now we digress. We're having a cool new segment on the podcast this week because we got a new feature, a new feature on the Roadmaster, Roadcaster. Whoops. (laughs) We got a new feature on the Roadcaster that allows us to Bluetooth calls and things like that. So we're going to... Just call a couple people right now and see what's up. And first up, we got Balkan Bump.
3: Megan, Megan, Megan.
2: Yo, yo, yo! What up, Will?
3: Yo, are we on live radio?
2: Yes, we, we are on live radio. You are live on MTV, oh, wow. BBC <laughs> oh Radio God. One. You joking.
0: No, it's it's all live. You are now.
3: not joking.
2: No, I never joke. <laughs> We have a few, oh, wow. few well, questions hello, uh, for you today. audience. Yeah. Hello. Uh, was that? Uh, this is, uh, hello. we got Pat here with me as well. Of course. Hey, Will,
3: how are you? Hey, what's up, Pat? Oh,
2: Will, uh, where are you from?
3: Um, I am from the San Francisco Bay area of California.
2: And where are you right now?
3: Right now I'm in uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia.
2: I love Vancouver. <sighs> British Columbia is so pretty. It's,
3: it's it's, beautiful. it's really cool. It's, it's like, it's very wet and gloomy at the moment, which
2: you know what? It gets like uh, that. It was like that when I went to, um, motion notion and it was kind of disappointing cause there were so many awesome people there and I really wanted to hang out with all of them, but I was freezing my nuts off, <laughs> you know? Yep. So I anyway. know
3: no, that's how it's been. I've been, I've been basically just like in between my like hotel room and coffee shops. And, um, I went on a walk, which is nice, but I got really wet. Um,
2: that so, sounds gloomy. Yeah.
3: No, I'm actually, yeah. So I bought an umbrella. That was, that was a big, that was a big moment of my day actually.
2: Nice. That's actually major, cool. Uh,
3: major life hack.
2: What color is it? It's pink. Pink. Actually. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Would you have guessed that Pat?
0: Uh, no, I would have guessed blue.
2: Really? Yeah. I was going to go with black. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. Maybe gold. Um, yeah, okay, I mean, so we got a few questions for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're going to rifle okay. off some questions yeah. and make this real quick for you. Uh, So, uh, our first question,
2: wait, 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 we, we have a segment for this. Okay. First of all, we want to call it Trump in memoriam. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Pat.
0: Uh, so, so Trump in memoriam, what was your, what's your favorite Donald Trump moment?
3: Yeah. yeah, My, my, as, as a, as a Trump player, um, I would have to say my favorite, uh, moment was when, uh, he was called Trump donald.com or something like that it's this website someone made where you can like play a virtual trumpet into Donald Trump's face and it's like and then it's like hair pops up I think it's called trumpdonald.com
0: trumpdonald.com
3: Fantastic. that's amazing I think so.
2: okay are you and you, are guys you have
3: v- to fact check that you have to fact check that as, as the radio hosts
2: Okay, yeah, we will. We're going to get a, you know, Joe Rogan as Jamie. We're going to get a Jamie soon. So, yeah. um, we'll we'll be, li- right. be like "Yo, Mike, take it away." But not right now. So, anyway, okay. Um, are yeah. you going to vote this year, Will?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Oh, um, yeah.
2: You know, yeah. if the, I may if the even statistics switching,
3: say switching states, so, like my vote counts for more.
2: For sure, dude. Great. That'd be a good idea. It's tough in California, but uh yeah.
3: Move,
2: move to Iowa or New Hampshire or something. Hey, yeah, come to Iowa. You'll be hella close. But um, That'd
3: be great.
0: There's yeah.
2: statistics that say that if somebody, if you can get someone to say out loud that they're going to vote, they're like 50% more likely to actually do it. So
0: Great, we got Will. We got you, motherfucker.
2: We, we got you. How'd you feel okay. about that? Thank you. Question number two, Pat, it's pure go. Pressure.
3: It's true pressure, but it's
2: okay.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right, Will, question number two. Uh, what was your yeah. favorite Christmas uh, slash holiday gift you've ever received?
3: Holy shit. Wait, can I swear on this? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah. (laughs) Um, my favorite Christmas slash holiday gift I've ever received. This is going to sound really cliche, but like I was, I feel very, very fortunate to have had like a pretty like idyllic childhood in a lot of ways. Like, like every, every Christmas, like my family would get together around a Christmas tree and we'd open gifts and like just be around family and, you know, there'd be apple cider and warmness and a fireplace and all that. And like, honestly, just like that, that is like a gift, honestly. Cause I know like.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, just being around friends and family. And just
3: like, love, well, you know,
0: yeah, family you know, one yeah. environment.
2: I totally agree. That's you know. totally. adorable. Well, you're adorable. Yeah. I love you best.
0: So we have oh, one, we have thank one you. last quick question, uh, for you before we let you go. All right.
2: Who is your favorite Wu Tang member, but besides Fifty Cent? Wait, who do we have next? Dozier. Hello. Yes. Hello. <laughs> How are you, dude?
3: Wait, am I live though? Yeah, yeah, you are. Great.
2: Everybody's listening. I
3: finally left. I left the house after the first time in six days. So that's oh my great. god,
2: I'm so proud of you
3: Thank you, thank you How's LA? Uh, Wait, a actually, of, we gotta ask you this lovely. Okay, So
2: where are you from, Alex? Okay. I'm from Delaware I didn't Delaware. even fucking know that Okay, and where do you live? <laughs> I live in LA now Koreatown adjacent As the landlord told me when I was Looking it up online What a dick really Like, let me think I'm living in Los Angeles Am I right? Like, shut the fuck up <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're actually yeah, in the town but... adjacent. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Where the B roll people live? That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, I don't it, like it. Like C My kind of roommate response. laughed at that, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Ben. Okay, so we we have a few questions for you, Doz. Um, <laughs> they're really important.
0: Yeah, we have okay. the first really you important. Have my
2: school on the bus detention. Well, okay, so you know what happened yesterday, and. So we're doing a little no. tiny segment, you know, Trump in memoriam.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yes. All right. Yes. Give it to me. Yeah. Pat. Okay.
0: All right. So does uh, what's what's your favorite Donald Trump moment that you ever can remember?
3: Because uh,
2: I still don't know where it is. <laughs> I don't <think> he knows. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, fair enough. Oh my
2: God, dude. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it is? No, I have no he idea. tweeted. Did you see that? He like tweeted
3: something that was like, I don't know if he was trying to spell coffee. Did he be like, yo, I need someone to like, can you some job so abuse because I don't understand what's happening in this office right now or what? But it was like, I don't know. Look it up. Some tweet and it's just one word and it's pephev and it doesn't mean, <laughs> I don't even know what it means.
2: I thought it I was some understand. political <laughs> scandal.
0: <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs>
2: oh, was it? Come here. No, it's just a tweet. We're calling my roommate in on this. This Are is the phone a, a friend, uh, really quick. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, Ben, okay. phone a friend to my roommate Ben. What is the Kofefe thing with Donald Trump? What happened?
0: On, on Twitter, he had a tweet, and I think he was trying to say conference or s- some sort of real word, but he wrote Covefe. and said
2: C O V E F E. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Okay, favorite Donald Trump moments.
0: All right, and then we're we're rifling through questions here. Rifling. Um, Yeah, next question. Uh -uh -uh. All right, next question, Doge. What is your favorite Christmas or holiday gift that you've ever received?
3: Silence.
0: Silence? From (laughs)
3: everyone,
2: everyone.
0: (laughs) Nice. Fantastic.
2: Oh, my God, that's amazing. You know, you know, you've seen that meme uh, that's like, you know, what's better than the, the sound of, of the the laughter of children? Fucking silence from having no fucking children. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's
3: my favorite Christmas gift. Not getting pregnant
2: 2019. Oh, oh. Yes. Hell yeah. All
0: right. All right. So another year, yeah.
2: another year accomplished. All right. Last all right. question. I know, right?
0: Last question for you. And then we're going to we're just going to hang up on you. Um,
2: we're not joking. All right great but we Uh, love you i'm probably gonna lose him in a parking garage but go for it
0: all right who uh do you feel like many reviewers that tom cruise played the best james bond ever
3: what wait when was tom cruise james bond what are you talking about
2: all right and now we're just gonna call maddie because i didn't tell her that we're gonna call but i'm just gonna give her a little surprise (laughs) What up? Yo, sorry Yo. for the phone tag. Wait, what? <laughs> I yeah. said sorry for the phone no, tag.
0: Yeah, sorry for the phone tag.
4: <laughs> who's, who's on the phone with you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's Pat.
0: Yeah, we're calling you from the podcast. We're doing it. We're doing it anyway. I gave you a heads up, but it's happening. We,
2: we nixed the Star Wars thing. This is just a friendly Yo, Christmas call. <laughs> Cause I love you.
4: Oh fuck yeah. yeah! I love you guys.
2: Yeah. So, but we have just like a few questions for you, really fast, and you can get back to your day.
4: Okay, we're wow. making breakfast tacos. Also. Who's
2: so popular? What's it's up? Me. Cool. Um. Cool, cool, cool. Here we go. We're doing some Trump in memoriam real quick, Maddie. Yeah. Here we go. Rattle it off, Pat.
0: All right. First question: Where are you at right now? I know you're probably in Denver.
4: I am in Denver. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what are you doing? You said you're making breakfast tacos? Yeah. Um, like, what, is it just like a hard shell with eggs? Or are you putting some peppers hard in Hard
2: shell? Maddie's not a savage. I don't know. What <laughs> the fuck?
0: <laughs> I don't know. She, I'm lives in,
2: so, she lives nearer Mexico than us. She's not making a fucking I'm hard the bar shell. the really low and seeing where it is. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Becky, look so at her I've butt. actually I cooked
4: um, a Southwestern veggie burger patty. Okay. First, and then I added extra it and chopped it up and put it on a soft shell taco with yeah, hot right. sauce and vegan sour cream.
2: Hell What's yeah! Up now?
4: Yeah. Okay. Da, da, right. da,
2: da, da, <laughs> cooking with Maddie.
0: Nice. Thank
2: uh, you. All right, I just so made next, that up right now.
0: Next question. That's a good. That's a good. Thank sentence. you. I'll like it. Cool. Uh, next question. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, RIP
2: May he rest in peace Yeah
0: So what is your favorite Donald tr- What is your favorite Donald Trump moment It doesn't have to be While he's president It could be pre-presidency
4: What's my favorite moment
2: Your yeah. favorite your Trump favorite Trump
0: moment.
4: Trump moment Oh shit Um That's a hard one
2: Mine is probably when he um Like made out with his daughter Almost <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's did that like actually happen? <laughs> yes, I, you like went in for that one. Really? Tongue, <laughs> yeah, dude. Tongue like forward. Ivanka yeah. was first jealous. <laughs> so,
0: that's pretty funny.
4: Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Boom. All right. Second, number, question, number two, qu- second question. Number uh, two.
0: Second question. What? What was or is? <laughs> Holy shit, William your, Shatner! Your, Do you
2: want to start that over?
0: Yeah. Sure. All right. <laughs> what was your favorite Christmas or holiday present? Ever received present? Yeah. What What was your favorite um, gift that you ever received
4: for Christmas? Well, I just got a new. I just got a new car. Oh, <laughs> that, that's pretty tight. Is My mom it? like I
0: Honda Civic? I've always
4: wanted like. Oh yeah, Civic baby. <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a it's a Mazda CX five. Hell yeah! My other is been falling apart, so it's kind of like a combination birthday christmas
2: nice cult. sagittarius later. sagittarius life yeah. yeah that's quick and my mom
4: i I've always wanted like the car with like a giant bow on it oh so my mom got she me, got like, you a giant a really bow. Big
2: car. so i, I bet yeah. that was like your favorite present then not the car yeah because i've always like you know oh barbie dream
4: car with the bow on it you know <laughs> Does it actually happen? i
2: just want a big fucking bow <laughs>
4: That's awesome. Is it
2: too much <laughs> to ask? That's awesome. Just, I just
4: wanted to bow.
0: Happy, uh, you know, happy Honda days to you. And <laughs> Yeah, you too. Toyota-thon uh, going on. Um,
2: okay, our last, last question. question. <laughs> this is the most important
0: question. So besides Ja Rule, who was your favorite Wu-Tang Clan member? Besides
4: Ja Rule, um, totally Nate Dogg.
0: Nate dog.
2: <laughs> okay, and what and, and, and my last question. What, no, did ODP. You, what did you think of uh Nicholas Cage's performance in Step Brothers?
4: <laughs> Incredible. All
3: right.
2: All right, and last up, we caught him right after we got off the subway. Bureaucratic.
3: Yo, Megan, what's up?
2: Yo, Brandon, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: Good, good. How was the subway?
3: Uh, it was good as ever.
2: I just went to the on the Brooklyn subway for the first time, and it was very confusing.
3: Yeah, it's um, it's like probably one of the hardest systems in the world. I've been hearing, uh, you know, it took about three years to figure this shit out, but now Damn. we're here.
0: Uh, oddly enough, the first time I rode the subway in New York, uh, it was about to take off and I was reaching for a handrail and I totally missed it as soon as it like they hit the gas and I
3: I lost my
0: balance and I wiped out in front of this gigantic man with dreads and he just mean mugged me the whole time the rest of the, the rest of the trip.
3: Yeah. Yeah, There's like no clearer way to out yourself as a complete tourist. (laughs) <laughs> By like eating shit on the
2: sofa the moment he starts moving, yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, I was I was
0: like reaching for it, and my balance was like I was you know compromising my balance, and I just I ate shit. <laughs> okay, I, yeah. Some adult lap.
2: That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh my yep. god. Okay, well, dude, oh, yeah. thank you for letting us ring you randomly. We just have like a couple questions for the podcast that we want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Our first segment you? is you know Trump in memoriam. Yeah. So what do we got, Pat?
0: Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, Brandon. um, with uh, you know, the Trump impeachment happening yesterday and uh he might uh-huh. we might be saying goodbye to him forever. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you what your favorite Donald Trump moment is of all time. If you have one.
3: Um oh God, favorite. Well oh God. Fuck, I never really look at it like that.
2: I know but nobody's writing the question.
3: Um favorite. Uh all right shit I mean Home Alone 2 cameo like thank you you. I was was waiting for that I mean yeah but I don't know there was I'm trying to think honestly when he like when he called out Greta Thunberg the other like week for like being a kid who's like doing stuff you know I think what he said was go to the movies with your friends (laughs) <laughs> Which I thought was just such a Pathetically simple like request For someone who's like actually changing the world right. And he's doing nothing It was just it was very funny to me Seriously. Yeah. I laughed out loud. Plus she, yeah. she
2: changed Her twitter profile To Like fit that right. She said something like just yeah, hanging out with my Friends and Go watching movies movie. Yeah, All
0: right. well, I thought it was kind of comical uh, That she Got time person of the year and that's not to, to take anything away from her being time person of the year. She's doing a lot of great things, uh, but she is very right. young. And I feel like there's a part of me that thinks that time just put it out there to kind of trigger Trump. And it totally <laughs> worked and it totally worked because I right. instantly tweeted afterwards about like, Oh yeah.
2: I bet Greta can't oh, yeah, even drink just- covfefe. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: God.
2: Okay. Oh my God. Hey, Next.
3: You go, oh, that guy. anyway. And I wish I could agree with you that he's going to leave, but he's definitely not. I yeah, like, he's, not he's as long so. as Mitch McConnell is alive.
0: Well, we never thought he was going to win in the first place, and then here he is. So
2: yeah, maybe the opposite will happen
3: yeah, again. <laughs> I don't know. I I I don't know. I yeah. I hate that I don't have my hopes up. Maybe that's maybe that's the ultimate goal.
0: You know what? If you set your bar low, uh, anything above that is going to be nice. <laughs> hey!
3: Expect the worst. Hope for the best.
0: Yes.
2: Oh my God! How we do? That uh, was Pat's um, Tinder motto. So. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I operate <laughs> on <laughs> online dating sites.
2: Usually. Okay. Yeah. Here's our second on question ways, for you. Yeah.
0: yeah, we have a second question for you. Okay. Uh, what
2: was your favorite Christmas present that you've ever received?
3: That I've ever received
2: ever in your life. Like, um. Ever.
3: Ever in my life. Oh, God. The irony is I'm selling one of them right now. Like, literally, as we speak, I, like, publish the Facebook post. I'm like, hey, selling my acoustic guitar. Um oh, no. But, you know, they come and they go. Um, let me think, like, favorite Christmas gift ever. Favorite Christmas gift ever. Shit. I'm having a tough time with this
2: one. I feel you, dude. Um, mine was this bike called a Screecher. I was in the fourth grade, really? and it was like lime green everything, and it was like on the commercials on Cartoon Network. This thing like looked like slime. Damn. It had yeah. like stupid like fairings and attachments that made it look ridiculous as fuck. And it was like a twenty inch bike, like a twenty four inch bike wheel. So not even like a real bike, but not a BMX bike, just like an mm-hmm. idiot bike, like right in between. Okay. Like,
0: <laughs> mine, I loved that fucking uh, thing. Mine was a Nintendo sixty four in uh, 1996. Yeah it was pretty sick was no,
3: so
2: Mario,
4: I edge. got Mario
3: World Or Mario Brothers there you go. or whatever
2: Did you think of one yet Bradley? Yeah, I
3: was, I was gonna say One of mine was definitely in like 4th grade my parents broke their Like anti video game Policy in my household by getting me A Game Boy Advance FC, You know the like clamshell one Yeah, Which I totally didn't see coming And I just remember being like Fucking lord like opening that And just being like I don't I I had no words. I was like, you guys, you guys really outdid yourself here. Like I never thought I would be the day.
2: That's amazing. I'm in mean,
3: like fourth grade on the bus playing fucking Pokemon every morning. I was I was like happy at the time. Dude, oh,
0: that's awesome. great.
2: I got a an advance for um, not the clam one, but the normal one for Christmas at one point. Yes. And I think my mom got it off like QVC. It was like the yellow Pikachu Oh like really? special edition. Whatever. Anyway, she was like super pissed at my grandpa because he got me like the strategy guide and he put it under the tree like in front of the Game Boy, oh, so it like oh, I like man, got no, it first, it. and my mom was so fucking pissed that my grandpa like ruined <laughs> the present for like and and like my cousins uh, have got the same thing because we were all the same age. So he like fucked all of our presents up at once.
0: Really? Oh, that's <laughs> god, grandpa, grandpa, grandpa. Dale. grandpa god it, Dale. God damn it, Dale. God damn it, grandpa. All right. Well, so we have one last question one for last you, Brandon.
3: Question.
0: So, how do you feel about Nicolas Cage as the next James Bond?
3: Um, I feel like it's a bit of a reach. Uh, I understand that, you know, the movie business is, uh, maybe in a bit of a, of a bind right now with the popularity of sequels and also just the declining quality of, of, of storylines and the increase in shock value. So maybe I get it from the studio's perspective, but, um, Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably make for some good cinema. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great.
0: Uh, Well, hey, thanks for your time, man. Uh, Happy holidays. No worries.
2: All right. Thanks, y'all. It was dope talking to you. Thanks for answering last minute, letting us know what you think about our very, very deep questions.
0: Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. And now we've got a really, really cool guest on this week, another Canadian, which we love to have on here because they're so fucking nice. Um, and they're also apparently really talented. So yeah, why is Canada. everybody in
0: Canada, like, so musically talented or artistically talented? I don't know, seems, but they should change.
2: apologize. <laughs> I'm sure they okay, about it. Okay, seven-time world DJ champion, six-time Canadian DJ champion, Vect. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast.
0: So today, for you guys, we have a really special guest, all the way from Canada. He's won numerous DJ competitions, and he has a really cool hybrid guitar scratch controller thingy that I want to hear more about.
1: Vect.
2: I always want to Yo. call it Frank and Scratch. What? Yeah. Or I mean, not, and scratch, scratch and Stein. Scratch and Stein.
1: <laughs> oh, the Scratch and Stein.
2: Yeah, that's what <laughs> I always like when I go to tell people about it. I accidentally call it the Scratch and Stein.
1: That's kind of cool too. So <laughs> I think
2: Frank and scratch is cooler. You nailed it.
1: Yeah. Well, Frank and scratch is sort of, that's like a bit of a nod to, um, the Franken strat, like Eddie Van Halen's guitar. Right. Right.
2: That's awesome. So, I never yeah. would have thought of that. Hell yeah. How did you come up with that?
1: The name or the, I or mean, the... I
2: guess the whole thing.
1: <laughs> um, so, um, let's see I, I I guess I've like sort of just had the idea of of making um, like a performance piece type of thing uh, like that for a while um, but then it wasn't until um, I started touring where I I sort of realized like the um, some of the more like practical issues with being like a, a turntableist and being very technical and stuff where um I'd end up playing at certain venues uh where I'd be like uh, stuck in some DJ booth where no one could see me. Um and I'd be doing some of my more like uh like technical routines or like flashy ones um for crowds that weren't necessarily like super um knowledgeable about about turntailism and that kind of stuff. I know it's like my routines just weren't um, connecting as well. my some of my like, yeah, some of my sets just weren't weren't going over as well. and specifically when people couldn't see them. Um so I was like, uh, at, at first, i I was just sort of like, would water down my routines. like if I got to a venue and I was like, oh, like no one can see my hands. I would just cut that stuff out of my routines and and my sets. But then uh, I, I felt that I was sort of like, Doing myself a bit of a disservice and also like the people who are coming to see me like if a lot of people come to see me to like do a lot of scratching and stuff and if I mm-hmm. take that out of my set like what makes me different from like a ton of other djs out there so I felt like that was sort of yeah not a very good solution and then that's when I really was like I need something that I can actually like pick up and take outside of the dj booth so like worst case scenario I still have um like something that I can do that's technical and also like connect with the crowd. Right. And then also around the time, like when i f- the very first like iteration of it, I actually like was working with like a engineer to make like um uh, a little like, a, just a, a sole crossfader without the rest of the mixer that I could put on sort of the neck of the turntable guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was the piece that was sort of missing. Like I found like the Denon CDJ thing that, that has a moving platter and it worked when it's sideways in that. Um, but I didn't have anything to cut the sound out. Um, so I worked for like probably a year on this thing. And then just as it was like 95% of the way, to completion like it was basically perfect except that um the fader cut too sharp so it was like popping and then uh and then this other company called Raiden fader released one that was like bluetooth uh usb rechargeable like is exactly what i was making but just way better wow. so they they released like the fader and i was like that was like the last puzzle piece that i needed to make make it happen.
2: That's insane. So like obviously it must have like zero latency for you to be able to even do any of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's no latency. I, I yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be possible with That's
2: amazing. Many. That's awesome yeah. that that came out like right when you needed it. And it also shocks me that Denon makes the CDJ that you can turn sideways and it works.
1: Yeah, well, I mean you can probably do it with multiple different like cdj interfaces but the two things about the denon is one it runs off usb key which is pretty common nowadays but the other is um it has a motorized platter so for me uh if i'm doing like a lot of my techniques sort of rely on the motor pulling the platter record forward and then me pulling it back and if it just stays in one spot it just feels super weird or just doesn't sound right so sure yeah yeah
0: that's crazy so let's explain to the people out there who haven't seen this thing it's uh basically it's a turntable that you turn sideways and you have a guitar neck on it and from what I understand the fader then is on the
1: headstock of the guitar Yeah, basically like the, the whole guitar neck, um, and the, and the Van Halen deckle and stuff, that's all just sort of to like drive home the guitar aesthetic of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's basically just a a sideways turntable with a fader that is like sticking out from the side where, and it feels roughly where it normally would if I was standing on a mixer. It also has a battery pack, um, an effects unit. So when, like, I bend the neck, it will do, like, pitch bends, like a whammy bar. Dude, and That, then, is, um, so cool. that <laughs> and is so fucking the, sick. That is so fucking sick. This then, episode uh, will be
2: for our gearheads who, yeah. like, want to know what the fuck is this thing.
1: <laughs> and then um, the the audio, right, right now, I usually just use an XLR cable um, straight out, but uh, I have had it fully wireless before. But I've, I've sort of had, like, mixed... Uh, success with using like wireless audio in venues with lights and all that kind of stuff. Pat
2: would agree with you. Pat yeah. like hates his wireless uh, guitar yeah. module. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, so
0: I play guitar and there was, so, and Megan and I used to play together and there were times like, I don't know, probably like a year into us playing where you were suggesting like, oh, you should get out on stage more and get like more away from a pedal board and I'm like, yeah, it's a great idea. So I got a wireless unit and it's it, it's great when it works and it usually works, yep. but there are some times where it doesn't. And then it says like the, you know, the, um, the transmitter that hooks up to your guitar and you, you lock into your strap is supposed to have an eight hour battery life. And that's cool yeah. and everything. But then after about, there was a few shows that we played where 45 minutes into it, all of a sudden my batteries would be dead and I'd be cutting out. And I'm like,
2: well, I think it's cause yeah. that, like your battery had been left on from like sound check.
0: That's what I thought too one time and then the other time i know for a fact it just died it Mm. like killed it really fast weird um but yeah so i'm (laughs) i mean sometimes wireless is really cool uh when it works but
1: yes so right now the franken scratch has three separate batteries um to make it run and when i had the audio there's four and i definitely ran into those like now i just like am OCD about charging it before because I've literally like when I was first using it and and going through all like the, the trials and tribulations um, I'd like, there's maybe there's definitely once, maybe twice where like I have like this, like I have a, a, a BC boys remix I made where like it has this big buildup and stuff. And then that's when I bring it out mm-hmm. and like, I'd play the track and then all of a sudden like it would come to the scratch part and there's like no sound. And I just kind of like set it back down and go to my <laughs> next part of my set.
2: Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> like, I've had that happen, dude. Like go to pick up my guitar and no sound comes out. So I just kind of like look awkwardly at people and like <laughs> be like, well, I guess that's not working right now. I like try yeah. to make eye contact with at least like one person that I can make a face of like, it's not my fault. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah even uh even on this this most recent tour i had one show where the turntable was fine uh it it was charged and everything the effects unit the fader wasn't though the fader had just died so um i actually had to do the whole routine with no fader so i was just like like simulating the fader by tapping the record to put mutes in and just like sort of uh like pretending like uh, like any us there would be like why is he doing this whole routine without a fader this time but i feel like a lot of people wouldn't really know like they might just think that i intended that and so yeah yeah fake for it sure. i totally it. feel you yeah, Have you, you just um, fake it man
2: have you seen amp lives like uh scratch and Stein? i guess it's more of like a franken beat
1: no is it uh
2: um, his name is, is Amp like Live. It's it's one word. Well, actually, I think it's only one word in my head because it's one word yeah. on Instagram. But um, yeah, I
1: just uh, I just googled it. It looks like he has some sort of an MPC.
2: Yeah, he built like, like this sort of like hybrid guitar sort of thing as well with an MPC on it instead of a scratch table.
1: Nice. Um, that's yeah, that's dope. Have you seen uh like Cut chemists in Newmark?
2: No, I've not.
1: Okay, so. I feel like we, I think we all sort of have to give nods to them because like they, they did, they've done like the, um, uh, they hang like a drum machine, like around their neck and, and drum. And also they did like a turntable guitar. The the version that they made was using like an actual, like turntable, like a 1200 and they had some special tone arm to make sure it wouldn't fall off sideways. And Dude, all that I am kind of looking
2: stuff. at it right now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, Oh, my but God. They, and they have, also, like, a one with a giant turntable on it. That
1: oh, yeah, like they have in. one that's, like, a five-foot record. And they have one. They have this whole setup that's just, well, it's Newmark uh, specifically, it, where it's all toys that have been circuit-bent to have samples right. on them. Like, it's, like, Walmart music toys. And right. then you press the button, but it's, like, some, like, I don't know, f- funk sample or something. Dude, Dude that's it's crazy. You yeah. can actually circuit map a lot insane. of
2: things to, like, guitar hero yeah. controllers and stuff you can like map yeah. all those buttons yeah. and stuff it's well th-
1: these guys were doing it like in the like at, at least the early 2000s if not the 90s so it wasn't even mapping it was like they'd have to send it to like a company that would like put like sample players inside it like and, and like circuit bend them so that they could make the sounds and stuff dude circuit
0: bending is like some sort of dark sorcery that I don't understand. There was this band around yeah. here in, in Minneapolis, and in, I want to say like around 2008, 2009, 2010. And uh, they were called, shit, I can't even remember what they're called, but it was all circuit bent like jazz music. And that shit was wild, man. And it's like they had, it was like a, pretty much like a jazz band, except for like the one guy um, who's clearly a, you know, electronic gearhead type guy would circuit bend right. all the same things, all these like little, you know, kids, you know, pianos yeah. and stuff like that.
1: It's um, yeah, it's, it's so dope, but also something I would never want to, a rabbit hole I would never want to go down myself. Yeah, Like as much as like I do sort of technical stuff and that, like I kind of hate it. Like it's like, I don't like having to like, engineer and make stuff like i just want to make music but it's like this stuff doesn't exist yet so i have to do it right but yeah so let me ask you this then
0: when you got the um i keep wanting to call it a frankenstrat now but the uh, franken scratch uh when you developed that and you started using it in your live sets did you find that there was a big learning curve from your regular routines on decks versus doing it a different angle like that
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so right now the routines that I do on it are very watered down. I would say the one major thing is that it's really hard for me to see like the placement. Like usually, um, when I'm scratching, like I, I look at the record and I look at it sort of like a, a clock face. Um, so I know like if there's a sample that's like, say what, I know like say is going to be at 12 o'clock <clears throat> and what's going to be at two o'clock or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but then with this, uh, I can't really look at it or at, like I have to hunch way over and like look like a weirdo and it's like kind of moving and stuff. So I basically had to adapt uh, my routines to make sure that I could do them without looking like, so it, I can only really do anything as, as complicated as stuff I can do with my eyes closed. So yeah so it's sort of watered down um but i actually uh no one's actually seen it yet but i i've got a, a franken scratch 2.0 and oh shit uh, yeah and the whole uh goal for me with it is to make it so that instead of just doing watered down versions of my regular routines i want to actually do stuff that i can't do on a normal setup so the biggest addition to this new one is that I'm running it through like actual guitar pedals and stuff. That's awesome. And, and like, you know, I've been experimenting with like wah pedals and pitch shifters and Ottawas and that kind of thing. Um, and trying to figure out like, how can I do something that is actually like musically innovative and not just like, not just looks cool. Right. Right.
0: Um, we'll talk, you know, Going off of Looking Cool, uh, you alluded to earlier when you were playing some of these shows where you're just stuck in a, a DJ booth, that's kind of where yeah. you came up with this idea. Did you find that once you now have this uh, piece of equipment, have you found the reaction um, during your live sets? Like, like, say, you are up in a DJ booth. Uh, has that changed things a lot for you?
1: Yeah. like Now it's, it's to the point where I feel like If I don't have it, my show is like not complete almost or or like people sort of expect it to some extent or like, um, it's definitely done everything that I intended it for and, and more kind of thing. Like another thing I've noticed is that, um, I sort of, uh, depending on the crowds and stuff, um, because given like the background of, of what I do, um, like, like turntablism and scratching is sort of, it's not really like, uh, part of any specific genre, mm-hmm. uh, especially anymore. So I, I get some weird bookings sometimes like all across the map. So I have to be pretty open to different types of music and like occasionally like the, probably like my least favorite type of gig I can get is like a top 40 like <laughs> bottle servicey type of a place. Right. Sure. And, sure. uh, sure. of course I, think, just, I feel like uh, that's a
0: general sentiment across the board for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like the last thing that they want to hear is like, it is anything except for like songs they know basically, but they don't want to hear scratching. But, uh, but I noticed like, I, I still will pull out the Franken scratch and people will like still react to it. And it's it like, it basically goes over well on, any type of crowd because I think because there's something like visual and maybe there's something about being able to actually really see what I'm doing that they can connect with this sound more or something. Um, and then, and then at the very least they, they'd have something to post on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. I mean,
0: that's, that's awesome. That's genius. Whether it was intentional or not. I mean, the end goal is to have, you know, universal appeal or at least be able to, you know, resonate with, uh, various different crowds of people with your music yeah. so if you can like, do that in like a club or do that like at a scratch competition you know you got everything else in between covered
1: yeah exactly like um, you know it it doesn't hurt to be uh, somewhat accessible especially like if your art form is pretty niche in general mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh, pardon pardon this we're going to take a little pause here I'm going to edit yep. this out but all right, do a cut here because
2: my neighbor decided to vacuum.
0: Yeah. Know. And this happens almost every time we do an episode. Does she vacuum every fucking day or yeah, what? Yeah, she does. What the fuck?
2: She's absolutely <laughs> insane.
0: Uh, it's like, it seems like every time we sit down to do a podcast, the vacuum cleaner comes out upstairs. Oh, wow. All right, cool. Well, we're gonna come back then. And let's, let's talk about your, uh, your, your DJ's um, titles. Sure. Is it called, what is it called? So I don't put my foot in my mouth, like a world, world title.
1: Uh, yeah, just a world world DJ title, I guess world title. Sure, of DJing. I don't know.
2: Is it Red Bull or is it just like a, or is it ESPN or?
1: So so Red Bull is the only one, um, the only like major one that I haven't uh, I haven't even entered it. Just for like I don't know. Uh, I I just feel like um, there's something about an energy drink company running a DJ competition. And it's, it's, it's definitely like pretty legit now, but when it started and especially when I was competing, um, it was sort of questionable whether it was like, uh, like how legit like judging and that kind of stuff was.
2: Yeah, that makes sense um, for sure.
1: And there's still like to this day like the, something that kind of bugs me about it is it's the only competition that the judging results aren't transparent so you don't actually know who voted for who or anything. Um oh, that's weird. which yeah, and like for for me like uh just the amount of time and everything it takes to to put into a competition routine like it's literally like a full year for 6 minutes. Um mm. And like, it takes so much time and effort that I want competitions to be just like super duper, like unbiased and fair and everything, because I just feel like it's, it's just like kind of an injustice to all the competitors and DJs if it's not. And just like the fact that like things aren't completely transparent is just like, yeah, that's kind of bogus.
0: Yeah, that's bogus. So so tell us a little bit about like how you started getting into uh competitions and you know competitive scratching
1: competitive routines all right so when uh when I first started um I was just sort of like just got into scratching through hip hop and djing and was just like doing it for fun and stuff and then i I think like I just Um, and what, like what year was this ish? Uh, I, I started around 2004. Okay. Um, and so probably around like, like sometime it it was, it wasn't too long after I started, like probably 2005, like a year or two after I began, I, I just like, uh, bought a DVD at a record shop sort of on a whim and it was the DMC World Finals um, for, like, 2003. Okay. Um, and I saw that, and and I, I specifically remember I saw uh, there's this one DJ who's, like, still, like, one of my my idols and inspirations. Um, his name is Tiger Style from the UK, and he he did a routine with a, a Radiohead song, um, Idiotech, okay. and he just took a sample of, like, this synth that's, like, in that song, and he flipped it, like, just with scratching and and that to make it into the six, eight time, um, like routine, like he just flipped into something completely new. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the first time that like, I was really into Radiohead at that time. And he just took a song that I was familiar with that also was like sort of a weird song to use, which like, I've never really been into like super poppy music and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and he like, made something just really cool with it and I was like wow I didn't know you could do that like I've always um sort of been into sports and, and martial arts and that kind of thing so the competitive aspect kind of appealed to me so I, I got really into that and I did like a, I did a few competitions like local ones when I was pretty fresh still like uh two to three years in to DJing and like I didn't place like I even I remember like my first competition I I got booed um, oh no not 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 like off stage but like pretty much off stage like my my confidence got booed off stage even though I was physically still there Um, and uh yeah uh and so it didn't like really yeah nothing really came of it I went I, I got sort of like somewhat sidetracked. Like I went to university, I, I started, um, I was like a, a pro poker player for a few years. Um, so I was like playing poker full time and, and all, between those two things, like I was still practicing, but I wasn't like, uh, entering competitions. Uh, also there wasn't competitions in Canada for a few years too. So like all these factors, I wasn't really doing them. And then in 2011, uh, the national, it was the first national final, um, for DMC, which is the major one in a few years uh, in Canada so um, and there's only like a few months notice. Okay. So um, I I heard about it and I was like uh, in the back of my head I was like ah, I'm not like ready like I this is too short notice um, but then I was like well if I don't do it now like who knows there might not be another one because there hasn't been for years. Right. I remember like I entered like the local um, local regional you have to win your local regional then you go to the nationals you win your nationals then you go to the world's um somewhere outside the country and so i entered the regional and i remember like because i'd never placed before in a battle i was like just arbitrarily was i, I hope i get top 5 or something nice um which yeah. which i always remember because it's kind of funny like the way it worked out but basically i ended up winning that battle, and then I went to the nationals, and then uh, I ended up winning the the nationals too, Um, and then like, as a sort of like, this is like a it, a little blip, in, looking back. But basically, uh, when when I won the nationals, and they like gave me like the prizes and stuff and they gave me the mic they're like say something and the, all I said was I'm not going to the world finals <laughs> I'm not ready yet and so <laughs> and I stuck to it and I actually didn't go to the world finals really he turned it down Yeah. I I don't think anyone's ever done that. I is like, I've never (laughs) heard of it, but, uh, and then they, they actually stripped me of my title like at that time, but nowadays like they don't talk about that, but they actually stripped me and I had to go back to the regionals the next year. Oh really? And then the next year I went, I won regional nationals and then the very first world title that I went to or world championship I went to in the UK. Um, I won it and like I beat the uk in the final two but it was sort of like this uh yeah it's it's kind of funny because the first competition i entered i was like i hope i get fifth like in in a city and then i won five straight competitions and won the worlds and but but it's just sort of like i look at it as um that's how sort of naive i was in a sense or like i just had no concept i just didn't do it because like at the time i was practicing just for myself and i wasn't comparing myself to people so i didn't really right. know where i sat right um i didn't know like that as one of the best competitors or anything i was just like i hope i'm like not terrible <laughs>
0: that's awesome dude that's a really cool story so then you went on to win did you do it then every other year after that does it so if you win that regional then do you are you instantly then in
1: the canadian nationals every other year if you win so usually how it works is if you win a competition you have the option to defend that competition that whatever level you got to okay. um so if you win a regional you get to defend it so you don't really get ahead but if you win the nationals you get to defend the nationals without going to regionals again mm-hmm. if you win the worlds you get to defend worlds without going to nationals again oh, okay. usually and the the other thing that this is sort of like confusing but djing uh, DJ competitions are sort of like, uh, like boxing or golf where there's not just one, like overall world title. There's a, there's a few, mm-hmm. they have sort of different levels of prestige, perhaps like DMC, I would say is the oldest competition and like has the most, uh, like most legendary winners that you would know, maybe like Cuber and Mixed Master Mike and A-Track and those kind of guys. So yeah, my, my seven world titles, I guess, are across like different competitions and that, and they aren't all consecutive. Like I won, uh, my last year of competing solo, um, in 2015, like I won three titles that year. So awesome. So yeah, you say competing solo. do you do now a duo? Uh, I, I have a duo called the Fresher Dance, um, and we won uh, two world titles uh, as a team. And after 2015, we competed once in 2017. So like, I sort of retired in 2015 from competitions. But then in two, 2016, my my partner, Brace, uh, in the Fresher Then's he won his first world title solo as well. So we were like, well, we just won like two years in a row solo world titles. So we should probably bring the band back together and go for one more.
0: Yeah, and then you got it? Yeah, we got it, yeah. And then are you, so are you guys now both retired from from competitions, at least for the time being?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, never say never, but it's sort of like competitions um, are sort of, uh, like right now especially, I think it's sort of like a stepping stone for a lot of djs where it's just an alternative avenue to get exposure and get sort of your name out there on like an international level um where uh if you're unless you're like a producer nowadays it's really hard to do that just as a dj that's kind of what
2: i was just gonna say is like i feel this way kind of about any contest can be that way like they can be yeah. super beneficial, but you have to have, like, material to, like, continue that momentum with afterward that is going to be the ultimate decider of where you end up. I just feel like there's lots of misconception with people that are, like, aspiring, thinking that you can win, you know, a world championship and that now you're famous or whatever.
1: Yeah, so that's, yeah, totally. I totally agree. Like, um, for me, it, it helped me, like, jump the line, but. For sure. Once I jumped the line, there was still a full other learning curve of, like, like when I was going to school and stuff, I wasn't playing out. I was just, like, a veteran DJ who practiced a lot. And then once I won these competitions, I started getting offered gigs. And then, like, I was being offered, like, 90-minute, two-hour sets based off of, like, a six-minute winning performance, right? Oof, yeah. So, yeah. Uh... Yeah, that's so a big jump. I had to, I basically, it's sort of weird, but I basically learned to DJ sets through just like headlining shows. And like, I've never really opened for another DJ still. Like I've never really been a support DJ and I've just had to sort of learn. And by watching like really good DJs who have supported me and, and shows and that kind of thing. But it's a really weird sort of come up and... Learning curve. Yeah, that's that is a super bizarre, but Benjamin that's button, <laughs>
2: Yeah. But I like it.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. It's funny because,
2: cool. like, I'm like, sort of starting to manage a couple artists as just like a freelance thing. And they're both people that are just getting started out. Like, I produced one of their EPs. And, like, yep. I feel like maybe some of the time I'm a bit, like, too formal when it comes to inquiries about them, just because I'm used to, like, at the level that. I'm at now after having been in this for several years. You know, like people aren't that experienced that are reaching out for inquiries for these new artists, and so I feel like I'm kind of like abrupt and like to the point and a little bit like maybe brash or I don't know how to say it. Um,
0: yeah, in- no, inquiries I know what you're
1: in what sense, like for bookings?
2: Yeah, like for bookings or just inquiries in general. I'm a little bit like. um...
0: You just to the point. Yeah, you get yeah, to the point. yeah. And it's you know, not there's mean, no fluff. It's not like it, what you're saying is you're saying people who are inquiring for the artists you're you're looking at are exactly they're I, like I'm, newer promoters. My response promoters, to right? any
2: inquiries: Okay, this sounds great. Let's do it. How long is the set length? Do we want solo? Do we want live band? What's the budget look like? You know, yeah. that, that's like yep. the obvious questions that we ask every time that we're booked for something. But right. for you know, that's not something that people that are just starting out and throwing their first. Sh- few shows or whatever are really prepared to answer. And I feel like they find it a little abrasive. My whole point to this was just that, um, I just like, lost, like, <laughs> lost it. hold on. I'll get to it in two yeah. seconds.
0: You're talking about, we're talking about like how you jump the line and you get to, a, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Point. Okay. Yeah.
2: My whole point was that I'm just trying to kind of facilitate for these artists that they don't have to go through the era where you play to nobody and you, um, have to play for no money or this and that yeah
0: build yourself up more or less you're trying to get them you're kind of trying trying to get them shuffle
2: past that bullshit you know so it's cool that you've like totally i mean that's like an era where i feel like yeah you build chops and like thicker skin i suppose but at the same time it's not an enjoyable era of your music career it sucks ass
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's it's terrible um but it's like Yeah, I don't know. It's somewhat necessary, though. Or like, I mean, maybe not necessary, but I feel like, well, for me, I like when I was starting and and playing shows um, and playing those smaller shows, I kind of appreciated like just being able to like make mistakes in front of less people. (laughs) <laughs> in front of a, a lot of people yeah, that, sure. that's so true kind of so
0: true. like that's a that is kind of um, I think there's a benefit of playing those types of shows and and building your web because if you don't have somebody like Megan like yourself if who's kind of looking out for people like managing it, a lot of people don't have that right off the bat and they got to do it themselves mm-hmm. and like learn that uh, I always say how learn like, from making mistakes from like what they didn't do and then like what you were just saying Jake. Um, When you're on stage and you, you mess up, you learn from those mistakes. And then that like, like kind of like those are stepping stone type shows. The worst
2: part is those mistakes like never stop. Like every, like every (laughs) fucking show, I swear I've like find this new problem I have to solve. I'm like, oh great. It's like my 500th show in the past three years and I'm still having like new issues.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
2: But I feel like I always kind of say this, there's a, there's a venue here in Minneapolis that, for a long time had a running residency on Tuesdays and it was called Mm -hmm. Amplitude. And it was definitely like the starting point for pretty much everyone I know that still does music in the Twin Cities. And this was like probably, I mean, I started going like probably eight years ago, but I know it was happening Mm -hmm. for a lot longer than that. And that did provide this like really cool platform where it was only like $2 to get into the show, like two, three bucks. Mm -hmm. And it did give you a platform to fuck up. Right. I mean, that's something I really have yeah. always said about it is that, you know, they had two they had two rooms and one was sort of this room where you weren't playing. I mean, there was like probably standing space for 40 people tops and you, it was sort of at the entry. So you, so that's where you would start out. And mm-hmm. then if you got, you know, if they felt that you'd gotten better or whatever, they'd move you into the actual like room. And yeah. I feel like, that I mean, that's where I started playing. That's where almost everyone that I know um, that DJs here in Minneapolis started playing. And I feel like it did give us this platform to go and sort of fuck up until we got better. And that doesn't exist anymore. And I've talked to people who are starting out DJing here in the cities and it's gotten much harder because they don't have that venue and that platform to be able to like learn how to not fuck up, you know?
1: Right. That's, that's super real. Um, like I feel like, uh, a lot of times, um, like nowadays, um, you see, Whatever, like these compilations, they're like, oh, ultimate DJ fails or something, and like some percent of them, uh it's just like I feel like it's these producers who made some crazy banger, and then all of a sudden they're booked for like a major festival, Dude. and they're like playing yes. out for their first time in yes. front of like tens of thousands of people. Yeah, and it's like they instead of like getting this opportunity where they're like, oh, I can like play a set and like you know, press the wrong button on these CDJs, like in front of 20 people, it's like they're doing it in front of like tons and tons of people and like it's the stakes are higher and stuff, but it's because that's sort of, I don't know, it's just, I guess how it is right now, but
0: yeah, no, that's interesting. It's like, I, and I even know a, a couple people, um, here in, in Minneapolis that are great producers, but they don't like DJing and they wouldn't call themselves and they'll tell you to into your face that they're not a good DJ and they get yeah. booked for really good shows it's because they're great producers and they just DJ because they have to for the show yeah. and they would yeah. rather they would rather like not play shows um yeah. and but you you know that's 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 two sides of the right? same coin yeah. you know you can you can make a banger like you just said or And to stay in your bedroom, but you got to go out and play those shows if you want to. I feel it's like funny, too,
2: that different regions of the world are different about what they're elitist about. Like, (laughs) Minneapolis is super elitist about being able to play on CDJs Mm -hmm. and not using a laptop, you know. And I think it's because we're so close to Detroit or Chicago, to be honest with you. I think it's like a house music stigma, like a techno stigma that's come up here. Yeah. But, you know, then you go down to Denver and I and everybody I know plays on an APC40, and they have to learn. They'll, like, get booked for a tour that's like, well, we're not allowing any, like, like changes on stage. You have to play on CDJs, right. and they'll have to go learn. These, are like, really good producers and stuff, they'll have right. to go learn how to play on CDJs. I never even would have gotten into this industry if I hadn't first learned how to play on CDJs. And now, I mean, for a while I was all like, oh, you know, CDJs are the the way... Um, and now I think that's a little like, you know, it's elitist, but I feel like those standards do like exist for like, you know, to some extent for a reason. I feel like every, I feel like, I feel like you should know how to play on CDJs. (laughs) I feel like you should know how to beat matched. I I think that's fair.
0: Dude, I feel like everybody who wants to be kind of an elitist, this is the same thing as like people who review movies and music and stuff like that are they're not happy with where they got, so they have to try to push down <laughs> at somebody else. Oh. <laughs> you know what that I mean? It's always the worst it's like, ones. It's like, especially in music reviews, it's like probably some failed musician who didn't get the credit they thought they deserved or the faint level of fame they deserved, so they just go and shit on everybody else's music that comes out. And it's like the same thing with like DJs who are like, oh, I've been DJing for, you know, 15 years and I've, you know, never no, headlined no, a show. Can, and right? then they shit on the headliner because they don't know how to use CDJs or <laughs> some yeah. shit. The worst part, though, is that
2: people listen to that and people like follow that, and they form like the same like opinions whether they really want to or not. It's like like Pitchfork, you know, like if Pitchfork writes an article about your new album, it could be like this was the worst album ever. Like (laughs) I've wiped with nicer toilet paper than this, and people will be like, "Oh my god, Pitchfork, thank you for writing about my album." Like, (laughs) yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, um, yeah. There's there's definitely like levels to the to the gatekeepers out there like <laughs> like it's kind of funny that you said like people are elitist about cdjs and then like coming from a turntable background oh yeah
2: yeah perfect example like,
1: like it's like even like further it's like if you use cdjs then that means you're you're whack yeah you know? yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. i can't believe
2: i even started there knowing that like after yeah. i said what i said i was thinking like well, how did i not bring up vinyl t- <laughs> elit- yeah. elitists well, yeah, but- and, then,
1: and then you get the guys um these are like my my favorite guys to troll but you get the guys who are like if you use like a serato or a laptop then then that means you're whack and like only like vinyl is vinyl like you can't use anything but but real vinyl and like to this day like i still get comments like on my stuff of these like just bedroom scrubs <laughs> who are like probably like 50 in their 50s and haven't played a gig in 20 years and they're like they they're like, Oh, like, yeah, that's cool, but you're using Serato. Could you even do that on real vinyl? It's like <laughs> it's like like literally I have like dozens and dozens of videos on real vinyl. Like I won my first world title was on real vinyl without Serato. Like I used actual records and it's like, but that doesn't matter to them. It's like they, they just like wanted gatekeep stuff and like be condescending and, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and on top of it, like I, like if somebody is using like, I don't know, like the, like a $50 DJ controller or an iPad or something, and they're killing it, like, I don't care. I'm not, like, I'm all about, like, futuristic new technology stuff, and not about, like, like, if I never have to play a set on real vinyl for the rest of my life, like, I'll probably be happier
2: oh really i thought people (laughs) use that for the convenience
1: (laughs) like well like i use serato like i'll I'll use like digital vinyl but but real vinyl like like i i totally respect people who do it but for me it's just sort of like it's not really where my prerogative is like i it's sort of uh i i want to do stuff like that is more i don't know like i'd rather try to do new things or weird things and not i feel like Real vinyl you're, is sort of nostalgic, and there's a lot of you're sort of doing yeah. things again. I think what it comes down to is that there, you know
0: whether it be um, in the in the DJ world or whatever, whatever you know, even in in the world of guitar, it's kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. There's always going to be people who say this is the right way to do it or this is how I do it, yeah. so it's the right way. So and like you said, there's going to be people who are condescending because that's how that's how they do it and then they're going to criticize you um and like same in like in the guitar world like i i don't even play with an amp anymore and there's people out there in the audience i know for sure that probably spent money on like a vintage cool tube amp and And all these old pedals and all that that stuff and like oh this isn't a a true bypass pedal so it sucks i would never do that and it's like well cool (laughs) how many people did you play for last year you know it's yeah, it, there's a time and totally. place for all of it and i think at the end of the day as long as you're up on stage performing and the people are enjoying it That's all that matters. I think it's and everything else is all the small details.
2: People being pissed that it is so minimalist now, like that it's so easy now. I feel like it's like old people that like it's old people (laughs) telling us that we should be able to pay for college. It's like, well, I had to do that. Like I had a hard time, so you should have a hard time too. Right? Like they're pissed at these like multi effects pedal board like floor like units and things like that. And it follows it into every. It trickles into every single part of the music. I bet of every industry, honestly, right. because technology is advancing like so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's insane. yeah, like
1: people. Um, I've heard people being like, like, like hating on using DJ controllers to start and stuff, and being like, whatever, like you should get techniques twelve hundreds to start or something, or, or turntables or whatever. And I'm just like, like, firstly, I'm just like, do you remember like being fifteen years old? Like, did you just have like two thousand dollars to like to drop on a hobby Uh, something that you don't even know (laughs) you'll like (laughs) yeah and uh and on top of that like i i started um like my first setup was like a a gemini dj in the box like turntable and mixer like normal setup but it's like is so bad, like, like, it is like levels to like qualities of turntables. And unless you're getting like high end stuff, it's, it's really bad for scratching and stuff. And so like, I basically learned nothing for my first year because I used like, cause I went for turntables instead of like there being a controller or something. Right. And if I could go back, I would get like a, a controller all day, you know, like at least like nowadays, especially with how good controllers are, you can actually learn, like the fundamentals, and you can learn stuff and like be a decent DJ off of them. Whereas, like when you started with like a $800 DJ in a box, like I did, is like all I learned was that I didn't want to quit DJing, but <laughs> not much more than that. So
0: to kind of deviate a little bit here. To- before I forget to ask, like, how did you get into music?
1: Were you an instrumentalist beforehand or are you just kind of an enthusiast? Or um, I, I wish that, like, I, I just, um I actually just started, like, music lessons, um, like, three or four years ago uh, because I, I sort of got thrown in the deep end. I, I got, like, a, a scoring contract and stuff that I didn't deserve probably. And then I started, like, getting more into, like, traditional real music as opposed to just like rubbing records and stuff. Right. Um, But when I started, like, uh, I I started, I guess I, I sort of somehow got exposed to like electronic music, mostly like big beat type of stuff when I was relatively young, when a lot of my other friends like weren't into it, but like through the internet and whatever. And I was into like Chemical Brothers and Prodigy and Fatboy Slim and Moby, that kind of stuff. And so I started like hearing these sounds and getting interested in how to make them. And, um, yeah, long story short, I actually started producing when I was like 12 and I started making beats and first on free Loops And then I got like a boss SP five Oh five sampler and I I produced for a few years and then I got into DJing and then eventually like DJing completely took over and I didn't even produce for like probably close to 10 years. I didn't even make a single beat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah. And then, uh, like recently, like the past, like five years, I've got way, way hard back into production Um, and that's like taking over my life again. So awesome. So
0: that's gotta be, I mean, that's gotta be a great then double edged sword because then you'll have your, uh, your productions that you can go out and play in your sets now that you, um, are getting books for like hour two hour long sets across the world. So you can, uh, you know, display your own stuff, which is always, yeah, for
1: sure. Like that, that's, that's like pretty satisfying. Um, also like when I, when I won the world title, like the big one in 2015, that was the first time that I used one of my own productions in my set. So like, I'll send a clip of it for this, but it's like uh, I made this like video game uh, remix thing with a bunch of Sega Genesis samples. That's awesome. And, and I like produced the, the beat and everything. It's like, it's one of the first tracks I ever made. And like, probably only like the nerds, will understand but like uh, when i look at the project file i was using like in ableton like eq3 like what you use for live dj sets right. i was using that like for production and like that's how i was eqing my tracks because i didn't really get like how uh like a parametric eq worked or anything i was just sort of like doing what a dj would like i was making <laughs> it like a dj track kind of hey man it, but that's cool yeah. like if it works it works yeah, it like it, it it's funny because I never I didn't even remember doing that but then like, you know, time went by and then I opened the project again and I'm like, what was, what was I doing? Like stuff is clipping all over and like but <laughs> it you know, it was good enough. That's awesome, man. That's awesome.
0: That's super cool. Um so mm-hmm. you said you got a few you're, you're off for a couple of months, you were on tour. Uh mm-hmm. when are you starting your tour back up again?
1: Uh Like, I don't know, like it's, it it doesn't seem like it's really stopping at any point. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going out West again in January, Western Canada, uh, January and February and then Panama in March. And then I just posted yesterday, um, I'm sort of trying to set up something in Asia, uh, for the first time. And I'm looking at like late March, April kind of thing um for that so yeah cool that's exciting and you got all your you got you're gonna have all your tour dates up um on your website i imagine Uh, social media probably not on my like my my vect site is just sort of um like a epk of sorts i guess gotcha gotcha Cool. So
0: yeah, man. Um, well, we're going to be wrapping things up here. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your afternoon to uh, join Mm -hmm. us, but is there anything you want to plug? You want the people to know?
1: Let me see. Um, for now, um, I don't know if you haven't seen my stuff, just like go to YouTube and look, look up Vect or if you put in, if you put in best DJ, I think it's, it's the first result. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, let me let me just verify that oh second result freak i got <laughs> overtaken by craziest crowd control ever best dj drop 2018 oh man but but uh but yeah <laughs> you can uh you can check me out there and um and yeah keep an eye out or an ear out i have been producing a lot and i i just got like a an arts grant in canada to make an ep and so that's sort of my that's my downtime over the next like couple months that's all sort of dedicated to finally putting out some proper music
2: Hell yeah that's exciting for everyone that's wondering what the fuck you just said you're right everybody he did just say canada gave him a grant to make an ep we haven't ever (laughs) talked about this and i'm like waiting to have nick middleton on this show so that we can actually discuss this and in full because he knows so much about it but yeah Canada's government for the most part I I heard it's a little in shambles right now because there's some (laughs) crazy going on but for the most part they'll give you money to make art that's pretty fucking cool
0: that is pretty cool
1: yeah yeah it's it's um (laughs) it's its own hustle the whole grand game like I'm still learning all about it um and a lot of people like to keep their secrets of how you get them like pretty tight but uh yeah, it's it, it is kind of cool though that like we do have this system where if you're accomplished enough and if you have an idea that is interesting enough for the for the government and whoever is judging that stuff that yeah they'll they'll give you a little bit of money to to help f- facilitate cover costs and that that sort of thing. Super cool.
2: It's just GoFundMe gone wild down here. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: We well, we have some we have some grants down here in the U.S. Because I've I know there's been some people that I've seen in Minneapolis that get like grant money to put up something for like the arts, and I and it's but it, I feel like it's a bigger mystery. It's harder to get down here because some sometimes I see the people who get this grant money, and I'm like, you really for this? You got well, money for that? El
2: just did. Alicia just did that with Katie for yeah. Weouchia and they got their grant, yeah. but yeah. No. There's
0: that, but it's like, I feel like it's a
1: little trickier. But I agree. It does. You know.
2: It is hard down here, but anyway.
1: Yeah. I feel like, well, it's, it, it, it's really hard up here as well. Um, but it's sort of, there's enough grants out there. Like, I, like, I feel like if you applied for every single grant in, in Canada, um, depending what province you're from, cause they all have their own, you could probably apply for like 60 different grants for arts nice. and it's sort of a num- a numbers game where you just like like I applied for 11 or 12 last year and I ended up getting two and then there's like even getting them there's this a bit of a learning curve like I got one for a, I, I did like a little funk band like side project last year and I got a grant for five shows and like creating material and repertoire and all that stuff but what I realized was I got the grant, um, and it, and they gave me like, you know, a few thousand dollars and that's cool. But the project itself costs way, way more than that. And sure. yeah. and I sort of like going back, it's like, I would have like at the time when I applied for it, I was like, Oh, I just want to like get a grant. And like, you know, I've been not getting approved for all these, but then when I finally got it and you have to do the project and you have to like use the money and stuff, and then the project ends up like being really expensive. And it's like, I should yeah. have just like applied, asked for the actual amount that would have taken for that project. Right. And then if they don't accept it, then I don't have to get it. But it's sort of like, yeah, I got like, once you get it, then broke. you have to do it type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I, if you, if you don't apply, like ask for enough money and then it's like something that's expensive, like you're almost like obligated to like take a big L on right. the project, right?
0: Oh man, it's funny. We could talk about this. That's a this is whole yeah. this is a whole other episode in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no um, but yeah, man, thank you again, Jake, for uh, joining us so much, and for everybody out there yeah. listening, uh, be thank sure to follow Vect V E K K E D on all the social medias. Yeah,
2: go look up the Frank and Scratch. Go right check
0: now, it, it out, body. and go check out uh, t- Best DJ Second Hit. And then uh, be sure to uh, be on the lookout for uh, some of his shows coming near you. Yeah. All right, Jake. Well, thanks again, man. And you have a great day. Yeah. And you as well.
2: Yeah, thanks, dude. Peace. Thank you so much, Jake, for letting us talk to you for a minute. It's really interesting to hear about sort of like the vinyl community because we don't have a lot of turntablists on the podcast. No, I think we had
0: uh, Flavors who competed we in did, that. and that i actually like wanted to chat with ago. him about yeah. well that's
2: why i kind of want to ask about the red bull uh, yeah, contest as opposed right. to the one that uh, jake is involved in because it's cool to see the juxtapositions between the two of them so um anyway i got a few things to plug before we head out of the podcast this week and uh happy holidays again to everybody thanks for listening to the green room podcast in 2019 we appreciate you You can come see me live next month if you want in, um, actually I got New Year's Eve obviously coming up, which is technically this month. That's going to be, yeah, it's going to be like in a week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so New Year's Eve at the Fillmore in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then January 18th at Hotel Minnesota in Plymouth, Minnesota. And then the weekend following that in Tucson, Arizona at Gem and Jam Music Festival and then oh, you're playing
0: Gemma Jam? Yes. That's fun.
2: Yeah. And then I'm going to RV across the country to Live Oak, Florida for the Brain Quality Festival. And then I will be, the. F- I think a few weeks after that, I've got a Hi-Fi Club in Calgary on the 28th. And then... Seattle at the Showbox opening for Beats Antique on the 29th, which is Leap Day year. Really? February 29th.
0: You get to play with Beats Antique? I do. They're cool. You should ask them about uh, their Red Rocks show where they played with or where they had uh, Alex and Allison Gray doing their visuals and there was a rainstorm. Just ask about it.
2: Huh. I will have to do that. We should uh, also get them on the podcast, so I'll make that happen as well.
0: Cool. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm stoked
2: to play at the Showbox. It's apparently pretty iconic and it's right... Next to Japanessa, that sushi restaurant ah, that we love in downtown Seattle. Yeah,
0: cheap, delicious sushi.
2: Yes, it does. Go to Japanessa if you go to Seattle. Anyway, um, thank you to everybody that was on the podcast today. We had Jake, we had Brandon, we had yeah, Maddie. No, we had Thank you to Alex, everybody who's on Will. the podcast this yeah, year. Yeah, everybody too. this year, we appreciate y'all very much. And we uh, always appre- appreciate Electro Voice and SK Coffee. And now we appreciate Road, honestly. Well, yeah, but. we
0: really do. <laughs> They've made life a lot easier for me. And... Uh we're excited to be kind of like scheming and brainstorming for new opportunities coming in 2020. We might be starting starting to get more video out there. And that's Yeah, we are about exciting. a lot of things so that are going to We're working up, so. on it.
2: Cool. And yeah. thank you Ableton, which we use every single time. So
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks Ableton, give us money.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You're such a sharp knocker. Okay. Right. okay. Anyway, uh Green Room Podcast 2019 out